Hi, this is Lewis Black, and uh, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, the return of comedian Steve Byrne. The one thing that I think I get surprised me at 41 years old is that uh, I don't miss the weekends as much as I thought I would. You know, when you're younger, your whole life revolves around a Friday or Saturday or Thursday night. And it's like, I'm married, I got kids. Now, I'd rather just, uh, getting to bed by 11 is kind of an awesome thing. We'll hear more from Steve in just a bit. Our song of the week is from the 1975. I think you're going to enjoy it. Well, I think you're going to enjoy all the songs of the week. That's why they're the songs of the week. But first, a word from our sponsors. First, there was Vanilla Coke. Then, Pepsi jumped on the bandwagon with Pepsi Vanilla. And now, Pepsi is trying to rip off Coke in an even bigger way. Introducing Pepsi Coke. It's Pepsi with the flavor of Coke. Mmm. I haven't had Pepsi this good since the last time I had a Coke. That's because the can says Pepsi, but the taste says Coke. Wow, Pepsi Coke is awesome. See, some 20-something gulped it down and said it was awesome, so it's gotta be good. And it comes in every possible variety. There's Diet Pepsi Coke 1, Caffeine-Free Pepsi Coke, Caffeine-Free Diet Pepsi Coke, Cherry Pepsi Coke, Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue, and Caffeine-Free Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue with Caffeine. Wow, I had no idea the taste of all my favorite Pepsi flavors would taste better with a taste of Coke. Take the Pepsi Coke taste test today and see if you can tell if you're tasting Pepsi or Coke or both. Pepsi Coke. It's the Pepsi name you know with the taste of Coke you love. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh. Let's try snappers. Sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hands, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. This episode of PF Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. And this just in, go to any of our Home Shirts websites, use the code COMEHOME, all one word, and receive 20% off for a limited time. Now, on with the show. Steve Byrne is a comedian originally from Pittsburgh, PA. Well, he's originally from New Jersey, but he grew up in Pittsburgh. You may know him from the hit sitcom Sullivan and Sons, but now he's back on the road doing what he says he does best. Here now is your interview with Steve Byrne. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is the return of Steve Byrne. Steve, how are you? I am so thrilled 
and excited to be here right now. <laughs> Terrific. Um, so I guess so what, what's new with you, man? Uh, we know, of course, you know, of course, Sullivan and Son uh, was not picked up. Sadly, um, what, what what have you been doing lately? I just finished filming a four-hour special, so I devote a lot of the time, my free time, to uh, to just getting back into stand-up and uh, and doing what I think I do best. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, I just filmed a new hour in in, sh- in Chicago in February. Oh, neat. Okay, um, yeah, you do have you are noted for your uh, your work ethic. Um, is it still a case where, like, even when once you have a special in the can, you're back out there as much as possible, getting on stage, trying out new stuff? And um, well, I think you know you get a little leeway once you film it. There's that brief window where until it comes out, you know, you still have that window of time where you don't necessarily need to start writing. But I filmed it in February. It's now, you know, the beginning of May, so I'll probably start writing pretty soon, yeah. Because you get, I don't know, when you get in the the habit of continually writing, you do get bored with the material a little quicker than if you were doing the same hour over and over again. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll get back to writing. That's cool. Um, So, uh, with Sullivan and Son, what what happened uh, there? Did, um, did, you know, T-Bases want to go in a different direction, or...? Uh, well, TBS, yeah, they 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 had a regime change, so a new president came in, and any time a new president takes over a network, a lot of shows are guaranteed to be canceled, and we were there, we were actually their highest rated original programmed show. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so we, we actually, we, we had a case to be renewed, but uh, they wanted to clean the slate, and they didn't want to do any more multi-cams, they wanted to do all single cams, um, and, uh... Yeah, that that was that's what happened. So, and uh, so, but folks can get that on DVD, can't they? Have I? Uh, I think it's available on Amazon. Okay. Like, like if you go to Amazon, you can get the first two seasons. The third season, you know, we filmed it; it aired, but for some reason, that's not available. But hmm. the first floor. Okay. And where can folks find your special? I forgot to ask. Uh, the last one is on Netflix. It's called Champion. Okay. It's still on. Uh, cool. And then the first three, they can get it like iTunes or Amazon. Okay. And um, so do you have any notion to go back into TV, or do you think you want to kind of take a break from that and, and try something else? Well, I was given a self-imposed break from TV, <laughs> but, um, but I didn't feel the need to rush back into it and just get you start pitching a show to get back into television. I wanted to take some time and do something that was a lot more meaningful because, uh, you know, a sitcom is more like a caricature. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, if you do do a single camera show, it is, uh, it, it, I, I don't know, the, the world can be a little more realistic. You can get away with a little more in terms of tone. Uh, so, you know, I did write a single camera show. We're going to pitch that in June. And then I'm, getting ready to film a pilot for um, the Esquire Network. It's a talk show pilot. So, uh, okay. Um, I've never had a talk show before. I've been guests on plenty, but uh, this will be my first foray into moderating and hosting. So I'll, I'll be filming that actually this Tuesday. And then um, I wrote a feature script that I passed along with my good friend Ben Swan that he really enjoyed. We're going to go out and 
pitch that quite soon, see if we can get funding and, and actually get to film that. So, oh, cool. so there's a lot of irons in the fire. I was going to say, you, you are still very busy. That work ethic is manifesting itself in many different ways now. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the stand-up is where stand-up was the bread and butter a few years ago with the, uh, because the experience I came on Sullivan Son as a writer, um, that switch did not get turned off. It, it just stayed <laughs> stayed an idol, and once I found the proper vehicles, uh, the writing became a little easier. So, and uh, I've been writing as much as I can, too. That's cool. Now, when you were shooting Sullivan and Son, it, yeah, I guess it was, because they were talking about this on uh, Jimmy Pardo's podcast the other day with Paul Reiser, and uh, I guess he has that series Red Oaks on Amazon, and he made a good point. He goes, nowadays, you're shooting these things all at once, like a giant movie, and then they're slicing it up, and people are, are being told to watch them, you know, very quickly, whereas you were still doing it, I guess, what they what they call the old-fashioned way, in which he said there's, they want to go back to you all of a sudden, where you're doing it week by week. Uh, was that how it was shot, or did you guys shoot it, you know, in chunks? No, we shot it week to week. Um, you know, we were a normal cable series, whereas, you know, if you if you had to deal with Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu, yeah, you, you do film those all at once, and then they're released all at once. Um, but for us, fortunately, we do it the old-fashioned way, and... Um, I, you know, it's just two completely different schedules. Yeah. And I think that you are a lot of time to be creative uh, for us. It's just nice to see the results because as the week goes on, as each episode airs for us when, when you're on traditional television, you can kind of see what's working, what isn't working, and I guess adapt. Whereas if you're creating a show to be binge-watched, it's like, well, I hope that works. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. So. That's true. I think the last show that I um, watched that, that was appointment television was uh, Lost. And uh, even though we would record it, we would have to watch it you know, within a few hours because people would start spoiling it on social media, even though that was in its infancy. So, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, I was right there with you. I, I love that show. It was great. And, uh, <laughs> would have done that at the end. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, uh, it's fun to imagine how that would have... If they had to like do that in... In you know chunks, if it would have been different, or if they would have been you know had to make different decisions than they did, where, where you know when you have the time to do that, and I guess they had a big break in the middle there, where they were off for like a, a year and a half. So that's that's a strange one. Uh, do you do you have any ideas? Do, do you, have you uh, thought about doing a, a show in that manner where it's you know ten episodes, but it's more like a big movie, or has that just not uh, come up? Yeah, the show that I'm going to have to pitch in, in June is, is very much in that vein, but it's not—it's not serialized. Where you know, it's not—it's it, it, not like a murder mystery where there's beats in every show or anything like that. It's just the show is a lot more personal to me. So, um, a single cam show it would, would provide the depth, and it would also provide the uh, the environment to pay homage to the subject matter, which is. Uh, which is dear to me as well, so I don't want to get too into it, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's just a huge difference between multi-cam and single-cam, and, you know, there's there's goods and... There's there's a good and a bad to each of them. And the knock on multi-cam now is that they're just... They're, not, they're never going to get any notoriety. They're never going to get any acclaim. You'll never really see them celebrated amongst writers or award shows. And the only reason the Big Bang Theory has done that because they're undeniable 
people when you're getting 18 million people to tune in yeah. to an episode. You have to acknowledge that at some point. But for some reason or another, if you do a multi-cam, there's just no notoriety. Whereas a single cam, you get a 400,000 people or less tune into it, and you can win a ton of awards. But nobody's watching it. Yeah. There's much acclaim as like Louis gets, or as much acclaim as like 30 Rock got back in the day. The viewership was never that strong for those types of shows, whereas Last Man Standing will get 9 million people. And if Louis got 9 million people watching that show, I mean, then that's a critical end uh, you know, of viewership success. But for some reason, it's, it's either one or the other. And being a stand up comedian myself, I always appreciate Multicam a little bit more because you have to, you have to nail the joke. The joke yeah. gets a laugh where it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it doesn't make the final cut because a lot of those multi-cam shows like ours we were filmed in front of a live studio audience so if you film a joke and you it's like okay we got it whereas a single cam if you film a joke you see the footage you think well I think we got it I don't know there's no barometer truly to tell if it's funny or not even if the crew laughs it's like okay well you make the crew laugh that doesn't mean you're going to make a miracle yeah and plus the crew you know knows the characters or maybe America maybe America does know the characters they've been invested for a while but maybe they if you're coming to it new uh, maybe you don't yeah yeah it, it's strange how too that it seems TV like everything else movies whatever everybody just jumps on a trend and thinks no this is the way to go now and this is the only way to go now where it's like well it, it's fine to have shows that you binge watch like a Kimmy Schmidt but it's also fine to have not only separate weekly episodes, but ones where there's not a story. Like any episode of Taxi, you can go back and watch. You don't really need to know any backstory. They're cab drivers, and that's all you need to know. Yes. I mean, there's a reason that Seinfeld and Friends, you know, and all those great big cheers, all those shows are so popular because people like that warmness. People like hearing other people laugh. There's familiarity to it. And it's, it's it's nice to have on in the background too. You know, if you're at home and you're you're doing some work on the computer, it's nice to hear you know, human beings yeah. laughing out loud. Uh, I think half the time these shit comes around in the background because it's a familiar and it's a, it's almost like a soothing white noise <laughs> tap so you get real you're you you're re engaged in into the world knowing that you're not alone. There's other people out there, and not only are they out there laughing, which is a comforting feeling. Yeah, my wife and I usually try to fall asleep to shows like that because if we, you know, some we've seen before, like Frasier and Friends are two big favorites because we've seen them. So if we fall asleep, we haven't missed anything. But if we're awake and watching them, we're still engaged because they're, you know, there's such good programs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what are you talking about on stage these days? Well, the newest hour that I just filmed, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely the most personal special I've done. Um, and I think that's, that's the role of any good artist. I think as you get older and as you learn your art form more and more and you want to stay relevant, um, I think you need to expose parts of yourself and share them with people so that they relate and say, hey, that's me too. This guy speaks for me. This guy is saying what's on my mind. So for me, it just is a matter of acknowledging my placement in the world, which could be through age, which could, which could be through being a new parent or being a husband, and then also someone who's taking the role of not only being, you know, all those things, but also 
someone who's learned a lot that is looking to pass down some information to somebody half his age or, or my own child. So um, as I've gotten older in stand-up, more and more younger comics have come out of the woodwork always asking you know, for advice. So it, it's like if you're going to have that mentor role, I guess, as a stand-up, why not try to parlay some of that into your stand-up as well? Um, and that's not such a bad thing because anybody who's watching Netflix or any of these comedy specials is primarily half my age anyway. So yeah. that's kind of the, the basis of understanding how I'm going to channel my material. And of course, the big advantage is, is that, you know, being your age, you're a little younger than me, but older than maybe some of the comics that you're, that you said are, that are ask, seeking your advice, is that you know what it's like to be a 20-year-old, but they don't know what it's like to be a 40-year-old. So you've, you know, immediately... You know, exactly, yeah. ...double your audience that way. So, I mean, what kind if of... If I knew then, like, right. well, I was going to say, what kind of things, you know, have, have surprised you over the years, uh, you know, as you've, as you've grown older? What has surprised me, um, I, that's such a broad question, it's tough to... Well, <laughs> for example, to... one thing I've realized is that I've surprised how much things just don't bother me anymore. You know, these things that used to be when I was even in my 30s, you know, especially with my family, the girls would have a crisis and it would be like, oh, we've got to get this solved. And I'm just like, you know what? I just don't have time. I don't care. And in the end, it's going to be fine. You know, unless someone's bleeding or there's a broken bone, yeah. it's not really an emergency. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the one thing that, that I get surprised me at, at 41 years old is that uh, I don't miss the weekends as much as I thought I would. You know, when you're younger, ah, there you go. your whole life revolves around a Friday or a Saturday or a Thursday night. Yeah. Your whole life revolves around meeting that girl at the bar. And <laughs> it's like, I'm married, i got kids. And, you know, it's like now I'd rather just... Uh, getting to bed by 11 is kind of an awesome thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, whereas, you know, even five or ten years ago, I would have thought that's the craziest thing you've ever said in your, in your life. But, uh... Yeah, it's not getting old. It's just, it's just. I literally, after eighteen years, especially as a stand-up comedian who's traveled the country, who's lived in New York City for my first seven years of stand-up. I lived in Chicago for two years. I lived in LA all those other years. I've done everything. I've been to every party. I've had the craziest nights, and it's just like it's almost like I've gotten to the point where. I'm exhausted from, from partying <laughs> and, and going out. Um, yeah. So for me, it's just like, you know, there's nothing that I can see on a Saturday night that I haven't already seen because it's going to be tough to top all those nights in Vegas or New York or L.A. Um, and I don't need to dip to that challenge anymore. So for me, that's the most shocking thing that, yeah. that I've come to grips with is, you know, it's not bad to go back and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> just watch an episode of Dateline and order a pizza now. <laughs> well, my wife sometimes says, oh, I wish I was young again because my daughter's going off to college and my wife's getting a bit nostalgic and my wife's only a year younger than me. But I'm, I'm like, you know what? It was great, but I don't have any desire to go back. I'm excited for my daughter to experience all of that stuff. But it's like, you know, I guess the old Ben there done that thing. Yeah, I think it's, I think that goes along the people who, Maybe didn't. Maybe she studied a little too much in college. I have no idea. But anytime yeah. somebody looks back on something and resents, or or looks back on something, it's like, oh, I wish we could go back. It's like, then you didn't live it to the max, you know. And I always uh, felt like yeah. I was, I always went to ten, and yeah. anything 
Yeah. Yeah, Steve Martin has that great bit he used to do about you when you get older, you become more prejudiced. He goes, not towards race, but towards things. And people are like, let's go try this new thing. And he'd make this door slamming sound. Sorry, we're closed. Because, <laughs> you know. Was... Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so what does the future hold then? I guess you get, you've got the, that hour that's coming out now, and you're taking. A, uh, well, I guess you have a lot of those irons in the fire. But is there still that one thing that you haven't tackled yet that you're thinking like that's you know, that's something I'd like to try. I mean, ultimately, the, the only thing I really have on the radar is to go from performing in front of bricks to performing in front of curtains. Oh yeah. You know, that's ultimately my goal. In this job, I set out to do that. I set out to become a draw. And I think, I'm not famous, I'm familiar, is what I've realized the last two or three years. Yeah. So I'm getting close. It just takes a little bit of, little bit more work, and you don't know what um, people are going to ultimately recognize you from. But I think as long as you're working hard, you're constantly creating, and you give them and yourself the opportunity to, uh, to have that exposure and be relevant then I'm going to keep chugging along. Yeah. Well, and, and you seem well-positioned for that because, you know, it's not... Of course, your comedy isn't shticky. You know, it's not it's not of any time. So, yeah. And and mm-hmm. like and you said, your, your your audience is growing with you. So um, it, it seems like things are still moving in the right direction. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. Well, cool, man. And uh, like I said, hopefully we'll get you back down here in Cincinnati uh, sometime soon. I know you were here a while ago. But for some reason we were it's been a bit, yeah. busy that weekend. But yeah, we've got um, another club here, another Funny Bone opened up in uh, the northern suburbs. So I know usually uh, oh, okay. play those. But yeah, so um, yeah, well, terrific. It was good talking to you again, and good luck with all those irons in the Always fire. A pleasure. Yeah, terrific. Well, thanks, Steve. All right, bud. Take all care right, and all of that. You too. Bye bye. Thanks to Steve Byrne for being on the show. You can catch Steve, let me see, May 27th and May 27th at the Ice House in Pasadena. He's doing two shows, 8 and 10 o'clock. It's a Friday night. Then he's uh, taking a month off, and he's back out on the road heading to Phoenix Thursday, July 7th, and he's there for a weekend at Stand Up Live. And for all the tour dates, you can go to SteveBurnLive.com. Okay, so it's been a pretty busy week. I was going to do a dumb bit. I did not. I'm going to reach into the archives to... Uh, play you some professionally produced comedy that I wrote but was professionally produced by others. Uh, so I have a, a good dumb bit I was going to do. Uh, we'll do it next week. I think it'll still be relevant. And I, that's going to take us to the song of the week here. I'll just skip the credits because you don't care about that. Um, so the song of the week is from our friends, the 19th... Well, not our friends. They've never been on the show like uh, the Vaccines have or Lights or uh, Paradise Fears. But uh, we love the 1975. Hopefully they will be on the show someday. Uh, their newest single in the U.K., is Change of Heart, and it is our song of the week on PF's Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 